I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Developing therapies that work by degrading disease-causing proteins has shown promise, but the first-generation approaches have been limited to targeting intracellular proteins and can't reach membrane and extracellular proteins that represent about 40% of the proteome. Epibiologics is working to expand protein degradation therapies to include membrane and extracellular targets with the goal of eliminating disease-causing proteins that were previously not addressable by traditional therapeutic approaches. We spoke to Rami Hanoush, co-founder and interim CEO and president of Epibiologics, about the company's platform technology, how its protein degradation approach expands the potential targets for its therapies, and how it's built an atlas of tissue-specific degrader antibodies to target proteins involved in cancer, immunologic, and neurologic-related conditions. Rami, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Daniel. It's a pleasure to be with you. We're going to talk about Epibiologics, its protein degradation platform technology, and its efforts to develop a new class of antibodies Protein degradation is something that is a natural biologic mechanism. There have been a few companies we feature on this podcast that are working to develop therapies that take advantage of this. What's happening to create this interest in protein degradation as a therapeutic approach today? Targeted targeted protein degradation has emerged over the last two decades as a promising therapeutic strategy with advantages over conventional inhibition. Now, what I mean by conventional inhibition, it's a way, it's an approach for drugs to bind to proteins and modulate their pharmacological function. Now, on the other hand, in the case of protein degradation, it enables uh, drugs to act in a catalytic manner and establish or achieve durable knockdown of protein levels. So while protein degradation has been extensively pursued uh, primarily inside the cell, and today uh, there are roughly around 20 candidates under evaluation in clinical trials, the approach of degrading proteins outside the cell is relatively new and underexplored. And this is really what Epibiologics as a company is going after today. The other companies we featured have been developing small molecule therapies. Epibiologics is developing antibodies. How does this expand the potential targets the company can pursue? This space of membrane receptors, when one combines it with the universe of secreted proteins outside the cells, roughly constitutes about 40% of the entire proteome. So there are a number of cell surface proteins that belong to different protein families uh, that have been 
largely intractable by classical therapeutic approaches, whether uh, it's small molecules or antibodies. And this is where we believe the greater antibodies could expand the scope of potential targets uh, to deliver either first-in-class or best-in-class antibodies. One of the advantages of using protein degradation is that it does offer a way to get at targets that have been considered undruggable. How does this change the targets or diseases that biologics can pursue? So there's a number of uh, targets that epibiologics um, has been considering, uh, primarily proteins that do not have defined ligands or regions to go after. Uh, in other words, these are proteins that have a scaffolding role. Also, there's a number of proteins that are not amenable to functional blockade by standard antibody therapeutic approaches. So one, for example, could consider also a number of receptors that have high rates of resistance mutations and also difficult to drug proteins that respond suboptimally to antibody therapeutics. So there's a large space um, of targets uh, uh, and diseases that epibiologics is considering to pursue. My sense is that with a protein degradation approach, it's possible not only to target a specific protein for destruction, but also modulate its level of expression. Is that correct? And is that the intent with what epibiologics is doing? Absolutely. The idea is to modulate the levels of the protein present on the cell surface in order to block its function. So you could think of it as the equivalent of a CRISPR approach to knock out a particular protein of interest, except in, the, in this case, we are leveraging antibodies, which are established modalities, uh, in order to achieve the same type of effect of uh, destroying a protein at the cell surface. Epibiologics has developed what it calls the EpiTAC platform. Can you explain how this is used? What's, what's the process? So the scientific rationale behind the EpiTAC platform is based on the idea of leveraging bispecific antibodies, or what we call EpiTACs, to bind to a degrading receptor of interest on the cell surface, and then leverage that in order to uh, pull in a disease-causing protein of interest via either internalization and or ubiquitination and target that disease-causing protein uh, to, for intracellular degradation. The analogy that my co-founder Jim Wells uh, uses is, is a garbage truck. And uh, the garbage truck in this case is an epitac. And you would want to route the garbage truck to the area where you want to get rid of a disease-causing protein. And this is going to be, of course, dependent on the specific disease type and the target protein of interest that we're going after. If you think about that Y-shaped monoclonal antibody, there are two arms that you have here. One arm is to bind with a target protein. The other arm is to bind with a degrader. Can, can you explain how these work? Yep. So the technology platform of, of Epi is based on 
um, on, on three different approaches. In, in all of these approaches, uh, there is one arm that binds to the disease-causing protein, while the other arm binds to a degrading receptor on the surface. Now, that degrading receptor could come in multiple flavors. Uh, in one approach, we're leveraging cytokine receptors where we take advantage of their internalization and natural recycling mechanisms inside the cell. In another approach, we hijack a class of proteins known as ubiquitin ligases that exist on the cell surface. And we uh, leverage these in order to mark the disease-causing protein for degradation. And then there's a third platform that we built internally at Epibiologics, and it leverages a specific degrading receptors for targeting proteins of, of interest. So by taking advantage of a bispecific antibody, we can target a, a protein for degradation in a specific cell type and in a specific tissue by leveraging the second arm on the antibody to bind to a particular uh, degrader. Now, what we have done over the past 14 months is we have built a comprehensive atlas of degraders that show different uh, specific levels of expression across tissues and across different cell types. And at the same time, we have industrialized a combinatorial approach that enables us to produce a Y-shaped antibody with the two distinct arms, uh, one that binds to a target protein of interest and the other one that binds to the degrader. And then we can screen this atlas to identify the optimal degraders against a particular target protein of interest. Now, of course, during the course of this, we are agnostic as to which approach to pursue um, in a specific disease setting. It depends on the context and, of course, the target product profile that we are aiming to achieve. And the Atlas of Degraders enables us to select the most suitable degraders for specific targets, regardless of where it's initially coming from or which set of degraders um, 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 it's derived from. There's not a pipeline published on the Epibiologics website. I know your co-founder, Jim Wells of UCSF, has published on the development of an antibody-based protein degrader to target pdl one cell surface immune checkpoint inhibitor. Is this the lead indication for epibiologics? So with the platform technology being built today, and it is at a mature stage that enables routine screening for antibody degraders, we are advancing a number of pipeline programs in the areas of oncology and immunology, where there is a clear unmet need and a degrader approach could lead to products that are differentiated. Our rationale in, uh, in selecting these indications is to make sure that the mechanism of degradation meets the desired target product profile for a particular disease indication that we're going after in this case. Is the expectation that these would act as monotherapies or would use these in combinations with something like uh, an immunotherapy? Single agents 
the goal here is to go after targets where there is a clear dependency in, in a disease context. Epibiologics has built an atlas, as you mentioned, of tissue-specific to greater antibodies to target proteins for new treatments for a range of diseases. How are you prioritizing the indications that you'll pursue? This is, this is a great question, Daniel. Uh, and it's also uh, something that we have been paying uh, close attention to. We're going after indications in general where a degradation approach will make a difference in addressing an unmet need for patients. So in other words, there are a number of targets and disease indications in which patients show partial responses to current therapies or for which there are no approved therapies. And it is these indications in particular that we are prioritizing to go after. Aside from there being an unmet medical need, what makes a, an indication particularly well-suited for your EPITAC approach? So in this case, uh, for instance, uh, going after uh, targets that have a clear role in a specific uh, disease area where classical approaches have been challenging to drug these protein targets, uh, this is an important consideration uh, as we uh, select and prioritize uh, the indications that we are going after, of course, in addition to what you just mentioned in terms of the unmet uh, need and really making a difference uh, for patients. You've been at both large and small biotech companies. I, I wanted to ask you about the environment for raising capital for a startup today, but I should note you were general partner of Mubadala Capital, which co-led Epibiologics 50 million Series A in March. Why did you leave Mubadala to co-found Epibiologics? In my prior role at Mubadala Capital, uh, I focused on early stage investments and have led or co-led a number of deals in companies uh, that were focused on therapeutics platforms and novel disease biology areas. At the same time, I was leading the company creation efforts, which was a new initiative at, at the firm. Epibiologics was our first incubated company that was created from the ground up. And given at the time uh, that we didn't have an operations team, I stepped in an operational role to lead the, um, the build-out of the company while still being an investor at Mubadala Capital. So I was wearing two hats at the time, both as a VC and running Epibiologics. And in this case, my prior experience in running R&D teams in large pharma uh, proved very valuable in enabling me to build the company from the ground up and put the different pieces together. In the beginning, we worked together with Polaris Partners to map the business and scientific strategy for the company. We built a syndicate of top-tier investors, including GV and Vivo Capital. And all the investors at the table were scientists-turned-VCs, like myself. And we all had a unified vision to build a company uh, to be a pioneer in the extracellular protein degradation space. Now, of course, there were a number of pieces that needed to come together, including the in-licensing of the IP from UCSF, finding the space to conduct research, and along with this, setting up the lab, and also the first instruments to enable generation of these Y-shaped uh, antibody entities, uh, setting up the IP infrastructure, and of course, hiring the team. In this case, it took us 
around five months before we officially kicked off in an incubator space. And uh, I remember on our first day, actually, we drove down to IKEA <laughs> to purchase desks that we ended up assembling ourselves at the Epi office. <laughs> so today we went from zero to almost over 20 employees in 12 months. And we have built a talented team with core expertise in protein engineering, in vitro, as well as in vivo biology. And at the same time, from day one, we focused on building a culture that emphasizes inclusiveness, transparency, uh, scientific rigor, and data-driven decisions. And I'm really proud of how the team has come together to de-risk the various aspects of the platform and enable it for uh, drug discovery. Now, I know you asked a question about the fundraising environment today, and I can answer that from both the CEO as well as the VC perspective. Based on what we're seeing today, I think innovative science is still going on strong. Great science with good commercial translatability will still be appealing to investors and will always find traction, I think. Now, of course, as you're aware, Daniel, and you alluded to earlier, VCs today seem to be more selective in making investments. And at the same time, also the biotech markets are adjusting to pre-pandemic levels, back to how things were in 2019. So also the IPO window got slammed shut in 2022. And now company founders and CEOs have to adjust and be more disciplined in order to conserve their runway and really focus on the critical path to advance their drug candidates forward in a capital efficient manner. So in terms of private fundraising, I think the biggest impact has been today on Series B uh, rounds and beyond. And the expectations about company milestones have changed drastically from two years ago in terms of the richness as well as the stage of the pipeline that these companies need to be at in order to be in a good position to raise. And it's something, of course, that from the beginning of the founding of Epibiologics, we kept in mind and it has been uh, our strategy from day one to enable the company to execute on its mission and advance the pipeline moving forward, even in this uh, type of environment, fundraising environment that, uh, that we are living in today. And is your sense that valuations have shifted along with that and that, that milestones have become essential to get to that next round? Absolutely. Uh, we're seeing companies with uh, flat rounds or, or down rounds as well, and valuations have shifted. It's a natural impact and um, a trickle down from what's happening in the public biotech uh, market, uh, which really also has implications on um, adjusting expectations in terms of what companies need to deliver on in terms of their milestones, uh, number of development candidates, uh, number of candidates at IND stage, or even clinical stage candidates, depending on, uh, on where the company is in its uh, life cycle. And how far will existing cash take you, and what's the plan for raising additional capital? <laughs> As a company CEO, you are always in a fundraising mode. Um, We've been quite active in discussions with pharma about potential partnerships and at the same time uh, raising additional capital in line with our mission to bring candidates uh, to the clinic 
uh, in the next uh, few years. And Ronnie, I'm sorry. I I just want to. Are are you interim CEO? Is that the correct title? I am interim CEO and co-founder of Epibiologics. And and your last name it's Hanush. Is that Hanush? Yep. Okay. Rami Hanush, co-founder, interim CEO, and president of Epibiologics. Rami, thanks so much for your time today. Uh, thanks so much, Daniel, for your time as well. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.